0: This podcast is brought to you by Scribe, a financial content agency. Just because your financial company and what you do is complex doesn't mean your content marketing has to be. Scribe produces blogs, articles, website and product copy, ebooks, pitch decks, and white papers for everyone from late stage fintech startups to the world's biggest banks and financial brands. Visit us at the Scribe Online. That's www.thescri.be. This is, stream it or leave it. I like it a lot. Looking for something to watch? You have my undivided attention. We break down the best of streaming TV. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So you can stop scrolling and press play.
1: We talk, we hook up, I smoke them mouth, and watch TV. It's great.
0: Tune in each week for our take. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. And now, action. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. And don't call me Shirley.
1: Welcome to Stream It or Leave It. I am your host, Shindy Chen. And with me are my co-host, Jeff Coons, Hello. And Matt Sanchez. Hiya. And today we are transporting back in time to 1981 in London. It was a fun time. It was an edgy time. And I also wanted to give a heads up to all of our listeners. Uh, just a note. We recorded the original It's a Sin episode back last year, so the audio in some parts may not match up, may sound inconsistent, but we loved this show so much. We couldn't leave it in the archives, and it was Matt's favorite for last year, so we thought it was important in some of the discussions and the themes. So that's why we are bringing it back as a full-length episode, so we hope you enjoy it. Before we get into that, Matt, what else have you been watching this week?
2: I've continued with my quest from December, which is to watch every good movie or every likely great movie of 2021. I decided to mop up some of the leftovers, the so-called B-team, the things slightly outside my comfort zone. And they were all really fantastic, to be honest, which goes to show how much I know. I watched The Last Duel on HBO Max. That's the Ridley Scott directed Epic with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, which was a bit of a flop in the cinemas, but it's actually very, very good. I also watched Mass, which is on VOD. That's a very heavy movie about two couples getting together a few years after school shooting. One couple are the parents of the shooter. I did a couple of the parents of a victim, and it's just really well done. It's like a piece of theater, really moving, really powerful stuff. Not an easy watch at all, but absolutely worth it and the final one in this low list is Tick Tick Boom which is a musical on Netflix starring Andrew Garfield done by Lin-Manuel Miranda I'm not a fan of musicals at all unless it's a very funny comedy musical like the producers but I really really enjoyed this it was very good it was moving it was engaging the songs are great Andrew Garfield is superb so yeah so that's what I've been doing you know these are like the vegetables I, I know they're good for me but I just don't feel like watching them I'm really glad I did it. It's great to see they're still making these great movies. But it's also sad to know that these movies are being underwatched. Multiplexers don't want them. So hopefully the, the streamers will continue to pick them up.
1: I'm curious, what convinced you to eat your vegetables then? I mean, if you've been <laughs> sort of resisting, was it like somebody else in the household that influenced you or forced you, dragged you by the neck or what?
2: <laughs> no, actually, I am pretty good at eating my vegetables. I just delayed it a little bit. And I just, Yeah. Uh, really, Scott is a legend, so I Agreed. had to watch The Last Duel. I had to see what the fuss was about. It was kind of controversial. As you know, I don't like long movies, but this was completely required. It was two and a half hours and totally worth it. At the beginning, it was a bit of a slog. Mass, I was on a plane, and I thought, if I'm ever going to watch a movie like this, it's on a plane where you can really focus. And it really got to me. And some people think that on planes, it's a lot easier to get to your emotions. I don't True. know if you guys ever experienced that. Totally. I think there's even a name for it for how you're much more likely to cry you know, in a movie when you're on the plane. And tick, tick, boom. Again, I was just forced myself to eat my vegetables. Nobody else did. I'm a good yeah. boy.
1: Last Duel. I only want to watch that one because isn't that the one with Matt Damon and his cool bowl haircut? Like a bowl bull bullet?
2: Mullet, Incredible <laughs> haircut. It's pretty clever. And it's kind of got a real feminist edge about it. You see a story through the man's point of view, then the other man's point of view, and finally you see it through the victim's point of view. Mm. And then you go, oh, so it's really, it's worth the ride. I can see why it didn't do well in the movies. It's not a Marvel movie, you know? It takes a bit of viewing. It's a proper film, but uh, yeah, it's a shame it didn't do well.
1: Well, Ridley Scott has always been, to me, like the feminist director. I have always loved his work. And for people who are movie fans, he did Thelma and Louise. He did Alien. And so a lot yeah, of his yeah. primary leading ladies, he's always got strong heroines in these incredible roles. Since our Best of 2021 show, I've actually been reading more than watching, but I happen to troll my way through only murders in the building. <laughs> they just announced season two. It's going to have Cara Delavine. I don't know how she's going to integrate with the cast, but... So as you know, it's got Selena Gomez and Steve Martin and Martin Short. The latter two are just excellent. They're like comedic legends. So it was nice to see them in this new 10-episode series on Hulu. It was a lot of fun. Selena Gomez is an interesting casting. Have either of you seen Only Murders in the Building yet?
2: I watched two episodes. I actually really enjoyed it, and I think I tried to persuade you guys to watch it. I didn't get much feedback. I ended up putting it aside, I guess, because we were watching something else. And it's, but I've been meaning to go back to it because I thought it was really nicely done. Oh, Steve Martin, Martin Short. I mean, that's a dream team. I mean,
1: you can tell it's very polished, and it's a quick watch. So the one thing for me is just Selena Gomez. Her voice to me, in some points, is very difficult to listen to. I'm like. I don't know. She all sounds like she has like a frog in her throat. Like I don't know, but, 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 it sounds like killer.
2: <laughs> it is a little surprising. like yeah. she's
1: like talking like boo. I, I just don't know. There's something very strange about it, and I hate to say that. <laughs> that was the anyway. It was it's a lot of fun. Very cute show. The
2: unvarnished truth here on stream it <laughs> or leave it.
1: I have been also making my way, painful way through, and just like that. It's like a train wreck, and I can't stop watching it. (laughs) I think it's just my affinity for sex in the city that keeps me coming. But it just, like, I think season or episode six was this past week, and you have like full frontal nudity in two instances, which is, I don't know if that was just
2: play for. Who's?
1: (laughs) You don't want to know who's. SJP.
2: Uh, SJP, right? Who? SJP.
1: Oh, no, no, no. It was men's.
2: Ah, okay. Yeah. Men's. Ah, so, for the
1: ladies who
2: care. Oh, how
0: feminist. For the, for the ladies.
1: Yeah. For the men and the ladies who care. Yes. But it's just, I'm waiting for it to end. I just, it is a train wreck. It's like, just curious to see if it's going to get better week after week. And it sort of stays Doesn't. at its very low level. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Was it you guys who gave me the factoid, which may not be a fact at all, uh, that the Golden Girls were the same age as the cast of this show?
1: That's so funny that you mentioned that because that meme circulated among some of my girlfriends this past week. And it's shocking, right? You look at the Golden Girls and you look at it and just like that, a lot of it is like the hair and Obviously the photoshop Flows,
2: the fashion. Oh yeah,
1: everything. I, I think all the ladies are beautiful. But it's just interesting how society and the demands of what people think is like modern and trendy and beautiful nowadays, right? It's like the, the culture has changed substantially. So anyway, I also started after life. I'm only like one or two episodes in. It's season three. It's the show with Ricky Gervais where he plays a, a widower. Such a good show. Uh, I don't know if you, either of you guys have seen it, but it's really good.
0: I started Afterlife, Shindy, uh, season one. Yeah. Oh,
1: I, I think you'll really enjoy it. I think you will.
0: Yeah, we watched the first two episodes right back to back and seemed to really enjoy it. You know, it's presenting a complex character there, for sure.
1: It's very complex. And I think, well. Remind
2: me what it's about.
1: So it's about Ricky Gervais, his character. He lives in a small British town. And. He lost his wife to cancer, and so it's about him dealing with the emotions of grief. But, you know, it's his character, right? It's a little bit of comedy. It's a little bit of...
2: Awkwardness, I'm sure. Awkwardness. Mm
1: -hmm. It's about him just... In the first season, it's very much about him just just being able to live and deal with Mm -hmm. the day-to-day. But at the same token, he's a very compassionate person. And the characters are wonderful, and I think you'll find it's a very easy watch because each episode is only like half an hour. There's a yeah, lot okay. of comedic elements, despite everything that's happened. So there are moments when you are like dying laughing. But then there's then it kind or,
2: of well, he's the chief proponent of you should be able to make a joke about everything, right? right. Death, cancer. So I certainly expect that he's doing that in this show. Yeah,
1: so sure. but uh, the comedy no, actually a- <laughs> comes from a lot of the surrounding characters too. So. <laughs> I'll let you kind of form your opinion as you move along, Jeff. <laughs> Very cool. What else are you watching?
0: Finally watched Blade Runner 2049, speaking of Ridley oh, Scott. So good. It's funny that you were talking about his being known as a feminist director and producer, because I was thinking about Rachel's treatment. You know, she comes back to life. Sean Young's character, Rachel, from the first movie, was resurrected by the scientist and...
2: They dispose of her almost immediately, right? But this is not really Scott. This is Den- Denis Villeneuve director. Yeah,
0: I, but he produced it, right? Wasn't he an executive producer, I think?
2: Ah. I don't remember. That sounds about right. That sounds about yeah. spot- I'm sure he was involved with it. But as anyway, a producer,
0: yeah. Sean Young, of course, was complaining that she didn't really get brought back. She just got CGI'd back in. And <laughs> <laughs> and it was. she blamed it on. Ridley Scott, because he wanted to date her back when they were making the original movie. And oh. she said, she kept saying no. And, and he well, like, it had career ramifications for her,
2: apparently. So that what? was her claim.
0: Oh,
1: no. Yeah, go
2: yeah. with the gossip, Jeff. You're not usually yeah, the one right? to bring the gossip Ridley here.
1: Scott. Is he going to have a Me Too moment? I really hope not. Oh, no. I don't know. By the way, another great feminist Ridley Scott film, G.I. Jane, was also Ridley Scott when I was in college, uh, film class. We did a whole Ridley Scott class where we watched all of his films, only ones with like strong leading female characters.
2: Well, what do you think of Blade Runner, Jeff, <laughs> apart from the gossip? I know you're mostly interested in gossip, but what do you think of the movie? <laughs> I quite
0: liked it, yeah. I thought it was well done. I always tend to like the beginning of movies better than the ending. I find that people have a lot of trouble wrapping up a story and so the setup for me is always the best part of the movie and and that was no exception with this one i really liked the first half of the movie much better than the second half
2: i watched in the cinema i think it's definitely a movie that benefits from being watched in the big screen because the soundtrack is incredible the visuals are stunning and i I can still remember the soundtrack reverberating through my body Mm -hmm. and just actually moving me at the end of the movie this is a Bizarre thing to me. At the end of the movie, I cried because I was so moved by the experience. No, that's uh, it awesome. was just, yeah. I thought the, the, wow. the combination of the visuals with the soundtrack, and it was just, I thought it, it was spectacular, but I need to watch it again. cold,
1: icy heart.
2: <laughs> it is possible.
1: But you and Matt are the same, Jeff. You, the Both of you think, you know, sometimes people have a hard time wrapping things up, like... You know, so that's quite interesting.
2: A lot harder to finish than to begin, you know? Well, you know, (laughs) that's an interesting point
1: about Denis Villeneuve because I felt the same way about Dune. The first Mm. half was incredible. Have you all seen Dune yet? His Dune? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe this is a discussion for a different time. But I don't know if you got that impression, Matt, in Dune, like where it was...
2: Well, it's the first part of a two-parter, so it's kind of like the middle film in a trilogy. It's always tricky to wrap it up, but... No, you can't really wrap it up because there's another movie to come, so it's it was a little controversial where they decided to wrap it up, and I guess it's not the ending, it's the middle, right so I guess we didn't love the middle of it oh, yeah good the point. ending was kind of left you hanging, I guess
1: I kind of thought by the a quarter of the way in though things started to slow down, so I don't know what that means yeah. the quarter of the middle, the quarter of the half the eighth
2: <laughs> the first the, the first sixteenth you enjoyed the, the seven, first sixteenth. Uh, but by the, by the 5th, 16th, you were a little bit disappointed. <laughs> and it went downhill until the 10th, 12th. True. <laughs> it's
1: the 3-8th, 5-8th. Eighths, eighths.
2: I didn't love the movie. I, I agree with you. I didn't love it. I think visually it was stunning soundtrack and all of that. Yeah. The cast is great. The acting, not necessarily so great. I just, I will, I'm not sure of it. I'm going to wait till I watch the second one and see how it all adds up together. So
1: Cool. Definitely. You got anything else, or is that all we've been watching? I
2: did watch Matrix Resurrection,
0: uh, so <gasps> I, I haven't kind of felt yet. obligated to get that in. I want to know your reading of it. Uh, I was glad that Lana Wachowski made it. I watched a f- several interviews about how it came about for her in development, because originally they had not intended to make an, another movie. And Warner Brothers were offering them boatloads of money to make another one, and they were just like, nah, you know, it, it's over for us, so... But then their parents died. So this was sort of this catharsis coming out of it. And in the final one, there's a lot more emphasis on Trinity than on Neo, which I thought was a good sort of bookend to the beginning of the story. I didn't like the sequels to the first film. I loved the first film. I thought it was like the most together of all of them in terms of the concept. Uh, But this one, you know, it's all over the place. It had to be done. It, it's hard to beat the first one for me. you know. It was such a pivotal movie f- in my life anyway. Like it was a it kicked off a lot of things for me personally. So you know, 1999 was a very an cool. interesting
2: year. Yeah, so I thought there was no need for it. I thought there was no need for the second, no need for the third. There was no need to do this again. I thought the a lot of it relied on the metaness of it all. You know, there's a lot of self-referential stuff in the movie, which is no longer interesting. You've had Deadpool. You've had all these movies where they talk about themselves, uh, being aware of the, their existence. I didn't think that brought anything new to the table. And I thought it was just really uh, There was and, uh, one,
0: one extremely cool tidbit that Lana Wachowski dropped in a press conference. Oh, yeah. She said the whole thing around following the White Rabbit, they mm-hmm. had you know they had developed that as part of the movie and then but it wasn't until later that she was told by i think grace slick that the first time jefferson airplane performed white rabbit as a group was in a club in london called matrix in 1967 Ooh. or something you know like <laughs> <laughs> all right pretty good and wow. they didn't know that when they were developing the movie oh, wow. so that was kind of cool
1: We are transporting back in time to 1981 in London.
2: It's a sin. It it was just a masterclass in storytelling. It's just five episodes long, which even for a British series is very compact. And it's the story of uh, a group of friends navigating the arrival of, of AIDS in 1980s London. It's just a bunch of really talented young actors that form really... Well-developed and and engaging characters in that short amount of time.
1: I didn't know anything about this show going into it. I know that you just mentioned it, and then Jeff and I started watching it.
2: Well, I, I started hearing about it on quite a few podcasts and read a couple of uh, this kind of traits and I uh, started popping up in there with recommendations. And uh, I listened to some interviews with uh, the show's creator, who's a very interesting guy. And I thought, okay, that sounds interesting, but the buzz was really strong. Enough. So I gave it a go, and uh, I thought it was fantastic. It's one of my favorite things I've seen in the last uh, year or two. British series are pretty good at keeping things compact, but this one is, was almost ridiculous. In just five episodes, it introduces you into this very specific world, and it brings in the wider issues of the time and a collection of brand-new characters that you come to care for very quickly to the point where there's some genuinely jaw-dropping moments of shock and heartbreak which for me, doesn't happen often watching a TV series. Uh,
0: Yeah, I I really loved it. I remember people thinking that HIV was contagious by just casual contact. I grew up in a religious circle, so it was also sort of the disease that God had given these people for their behavior. And so to go inside of that subculture and to experience how it showed up Mm-hmm. there and I went back and sort of researched outside of the the show too and I didn't realize that the first case that they really thought someone had died from AIDS was back in the 50s.
1: That was something I learned as well because yeah. you know they obviously blamed the Canadian flight attendant was the one who was stigmatized right like he took the brunt of the the blame in a feature by the, the journalist who had featured him as kind of being like patient zero and i got into like a whole rabbit hole of the, the problem of you know how he was supposed to be patient O, like out of the u.s but then mm-hmm. somebody misread it and called him patient zero so he got an undue amount of blame for that but yeah the first strain was likely in the 1920s and it yeah. was shocking to me that they had kept these tissue samples throughout the years and, and now that research has caught up In the past 20 years, they've really been able to make significant headway into just not only diagnosing um, the origins of when the virus first started, but then also when AIDS was officially a thing. So by the late 70s or early 80s, it had already been around for decades, likely. The science just wasn't there. So anyway, back to the show, I... I agree with you, Matt. I mean, what they were able to accomplish in five hours with regard to transporting you to this time, they were living in this (laughs) unbelievable apartment in London. But to live with some of your best friends during that era and just to be able to party all the time I was just thinking, what an incredible flat.
2: Um, And and they bought that place for, what was it, 40,000 42 or 40,000 pounds. That was was a hilarious figure to hear. I mean, an apartment in London, wow. I know, an
1: apartment in London for 40,000 pounds. It was very, like, sex in the city-esque. Shindy from the future again in 2022, and here is your spoiler alert really enjoyed seeing the familiar faces the more famous characters um actors like Stephen Fry that was a surprise yes. to see him and then Keely Hawes who plays Richie's mother I was watching and I was like where's this woman from and then finally I re- remembered that she was from the Bodyguard*, or you know the English yeah. show bodyguard
2: yeah yeah
1: she's also she's in that PBS show the Jarrells. I don't know if you're familiar with her work So Jeff, who was your favorite character?
0: Yeah, I think Jill was my favorite character. Overall, like the whole guiding thing was connection and true love. You know, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of promiscuity and sex going on, but it ends up in Richie's talking to his mother and Jill's behavior throughout the movie as she's taking care of people that are sick and just going to see the boys that that are ill in hospital that she doesn't even know. I just thought you don't, you don't have to do anything grand to connect with anyone. But huge mm-hmm. gestures or
2: big statements. For me, it's got to be Colin. I mean, Colin is just a, a wonderful, memorable character. You know, a brand new actor. He's, I think, that was his first TV role. Like much of the cast, he was perfect. And then they really built up his character really nicely. And really, the, the episode where he starts having his health issues yeah. in terms of shock for me. And the way they went from, you literally have just fallen in love with this character when everybody makes fun of him for being so excited about getting the keys to open the business all by himself. And there's this music and he's all jaunty and he's having the best day of his life. And you're just literally laughing. And you're just smiling, thinking what a, what a wonderful kind of lovable character. And then the, the boss comes in and there's a break and you don't see him and you get this feeling, mm-hmm. okay, something's happening here. Then you see him on the floor. And I get and my you know, my hairs are raising just thinking about it. It was one of these genuine moments of no, no, no. <laughs> shock. Yeah. And yeah. then the way his fate goes, it was just heartbreaking.
1: Right. And then I thought that it was really skillfully done the way they revealed, you know, his reckoning with how he could yeah. have caught it. I thought that, yeah. that was really well done. Um yeah. it was very it was delicate. There. It was
2: it's one yeah. of those that and it was there, you could have probably guessed it. I didn't um, guess it.
1: I didn't. No, no, I, I didn't
2: guess it. But I'm saying yeah. I hate it when reveals don't give you a chance to ever have known it. But mm-hmm. there was an <laughs> exchange of glances between them, mm-hmm. and you could you could have thought about if you really stopped mm-hmm. to think about it, you could have worked it out. So that for me is the is the best kind of reveal.
1: That's true. Yeah, it was um, subtle, and even yeah. I mean, I think people who are listening to this have likely seen the show or will. But even when he says football shirt, I, I just still didn't get it (laughs) i don't know jeff if you guessed it did you guess it i
0: i thought it there was one scene where uh, where there's an early party at the flat and a drunk boy comes up to him puts his arm around him so i thought it was that guy oh
2: yeah remember that and and then
0: when they revealed that it was the son of of his uh house whatever you call host um yeah, I was tripping out. I was
2: like, mm-hmm. oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I saw that too, obviously, when, when Colin first arrives at the house and there's those <clears> glances <throat> and, you know, he, he
2: obviously...
1: Right, the glance. And so, but I think at that moment, you're not entirely sure. Just like the mother later, she's in disbelief. She's like, my son's not gay. And so you think like, oh, there's this kid there. Colin obviously fancies him, but you're not sure about the the other guy. So that was actually quite shocking, um, shocking, and obviously very sad. Um, but yeah, his fate is just is very interesting—the way they treated the the two characters and how they met their fate. My favorite character was Jill. I just found her to be. If there were more people like Jill in this world, the world would be a better place. I mean, she was just yeah. so compassionate and so full of love. And um, I'm sure that there is a character who she was modeled after in real life.
2: Well, it, it, actually, it's a, it's a lady called Jill. I don't know how to pronounce it actually, should know <laughs> N-A-L-D-E-R. She was a Welsh activist,
1: ah. Welsh
2: activist that the, uh, that the creator based her on.
1: First of all, I found her to be just so beautiful, like her, her whole look, you know, she just has this like warm energy and I hope she's like that in real life. But the way that she portrayed this character, what a talented actress, everything about her. I just loved her. Definitely one of the nicest protagonist type characters I've seen in a long time. And just even the way she stood up to Richie's mother at the end that was such a scene for me like I think in terms of uh scenes that can evoke so much emotional energy and tension the scene with her and Richie's mother was well, it could have gone either way right they could have yeah. ended up being best friends that, or they yeah
2: and that was another huge shock as well because you're not ex- again they spring you so many little shocks you're not expecting mm-hmm. the delivery of the news and then it just just like that, it's over, yeah. and that was just, you know, you get the same impact that she gets. I was I was disappointed though in in how they didn't get to him. You've come all the way. Yeah. You're both quite quite feisty, independent, you know, independent guys, Roscoe and Jill. You're gonna climb up the side of the house and just get into his window to say hi to him. You're gonna figure out a way. Oh, the guy's sister is gonna say, "Look, this is ridiculous." And go and find him and say look you know come and see him at this time you know i notice you're calling the house i just didn't quite buy that but you know it's a small detail as well
1: you know you can empathize with the mother character because she's dealing with all yeah. of this in such a short amount of time it's like she's grieving and then she's dealing with this and she sees jill as a total traitor right toward the end Richie's talking about like all the fun that he had and his. Mother just doesn't get it. You feel so much for him, and there's at least a little bit of joy in that scene, right? Because he truly had like such a good time, and he probably lived more than many humans actually lived, as, as far as like celebrating life. So, um,
2: I did find him. I did find him uh, slightly harder to empathize with because he came across as being over the top and cocky and arrogant
0: mm-hmm. so
2: when he came to him and he took so long to to deal with it and spread it around then he loses a little bit of sympathy but I guess the point was that it was making is that it's the uh, it's t- to do with the shame that he felt that was uh, that was put into him by his upbringing and mm-hmm. I guess I'm not sure I buy that completely but I guess that's the point the show was making how did you feel about him in the end did you buy that explanation
1: I had trouble wrapping my head around it. I suppose Jill's explanation at the end kind of made sense because right. here you have these two boys from two completely different backgrounds yet they meet the same fate and so when I'm speaking I'm speaking of like Richie and then as well as another character is Colin and they couldn't have been from more different um, families where one was very accepting of who he was as a as a gay man and I don't know if Colin ever told his mother that he was gay, but she just knew, I think. And it's just unfortunate, right? It's like, meanwhile, Richie came from a family where he had to hide very much who he was. You know, they kind of shamed him for going down the acting route, and then um, he just could never really be himself or live in his own skin. And I can only imagine what that's like when you can't be your true self to your loved ones.
0: The whole thing, to me was you know a look into a world that i am totally unfamiliar with Mm -hmm. at the same time to recognize it's the 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 deep connections that were going on because frankly gay men and lesbians have typically been portrayed as conniving or killers in in older movies and stuff like that right they've
1: been pigeonholed into character types like into
0: mental illness really yeah, or and,
1: or they've played a very specific type of character, say like the Rupert Everett character in My Best Friend's Wedding. Yeah, something like, like that.
0: Like a lot of narcissism, or yeah. just uh, being an abu- abusive personalities. And uh, so, I thought it's about time that we see the reality of ourselves, mm-hmm. which is. the same for everyone
1: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) like people have like gay people have dimensions and layers too (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah and i mean that's not like some big revelation but right but uh, i think
1: in hollywood particularly hollywood you're right though
0: that's what i mean yeah Yeah, like yeah it's, it's finally to a point where these things can be discussed as normal and i i'd say that to to my jill all the time like it's so refreshing to see these things coming out in and mm-hmm. treating subjects that were formerly taboo in their normalcy um
1: yeah. i agree i think that's shows. only happening now like it's the same with asian characters too
0: exactly just because same. you
1: have asian characters in shows doesn't mean that they always have to have colored hair or have to do kung fu or speak with an well, they accent have to be aquafina Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hopefully there are more shows being produced that are a little bit more well-rounded and true to an actual experience and shedding light on all sorts of characters, providing some depth. So anyway. um, And there's
2: there's a parallel to that off the screen as well because this is a first show, it's one of the first shows where all the gay roles went to gay actors. Uh, Right. The creator of the show has done at least two previous gay Themed shows or shows with a lot of, you know, gay protagonists, and this is the first time that he felt confident enough to, to say, I want gay actors for the the gay roles, and, and when you mm-hmm. consider that a lot of these actors are young, it's their first role. That's a real change because, until recently, any actor who was gay wouldn't dare come out until much later, late in their career, because it really cuts down the kind of roles that they get offered. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really interesting that you have all these young actors who are, you know, setting off telling the world that they're gay and, and they're fantastic. And, uh, you know, and he was saying, you know, a lot of these guys have going kind to of have huge careers in front of them. And he's it's the first time he's felt, you know, confident enough to do that. And, uh, you know, he hopes it's going to move towards some kind of equality in that sense as well. So that's pretty interesting too, I thought. Yeah. That
1: was super interesting. So the creator was Russell T Davies and I was looking at his filmography and you can tell kind of when you watch this show he's clearly experienced you can tell like he's a pro and just the way that he spun everything into five shows is amazing so kudos definitely to him and the whole production and yeah matt what you mentioned about you know gay actors almost hiding that fact you're right i mean it's referenced in the show because richie's afraid of demonstrating for fear of (laughs) being outed and
2: in- yeah you're right yeah that was an interesting point yeah, where you couldn't mm-hmm. join in the march because you didn't want to be singled out yeah that yeah mm-hmm. it makes the point right on well, the screen that it's making off the screen
1: it wasn't only that though but um actually speaking on how of much of a he was a bit of a narcissist that character i it wasn't it also because he had to go to the hospital and get his test result or do his test there was something else that was keeping him away from that protest i couldn't remember what it was but
2: um but it didn't yeah. for a for a great kind of uh lord of the rings esque ex machina kind of time when he when he jumps from out of nowhere onto the mm-hmm. back of the car and he comes in to save the day
1: yeah and
2: i always hate that when that happens in in lord of the ring type shows where you <laughs> they're gonna get out of it and then somebody comes out off screen and to save the day. But it was really cool to see one of those moments happening in a, in a drama.
1: I thought the other great moment, the very final scene when the pigeon steals the ice cream out of his hand, if that's real. If that was
2: like... That's great. Oh, I yeah. know. That was brilliant. That was a very trained pigeons, you know. Really?
1: No, I'm hoping day. that it was... <laughs> 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 I, I, You know what? That's a ballsy pigeon. Because the whole time I lived in London, I don't think... Those pigeons are so fat, I don't even think they can get that airborne. But it was <laughs> like... They're just disgusting over there. Um. Anyway. So, to it wrap things up... Matt, stream
2: it or leave it. Absolutely. Stream it. Favorite series of the year.
1: Jeff, stream it or leave it. It's a sin.
0: Stream it. Sin it. Sin it up and stream it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's going
2: to catch on, I think.
1: Agree Mm -hmm. with Jeff. Sin it up. can stream it to your heart's content.
2: As always, if you want to
0: see more and hear more, then please subscribe to the show and add a glowing review. It really helps us out. Our channels are in the show notes. But you can also find us on social media at streamitleaveit on Instagram and TikTok and at Stream_Leave on Twitter. Our full show notes are also in our Substack newsletter. If you subscribe there, then you'll get an email each time we publish a new show. And we're coming soon to YouTube.
1: All right, guys. See you soon.
0: Bye. Bye. That's our show.
1: Are you not entertained?
0: What
2: did you think? Pretty
0: Why? pretty good. Don't forget to subscribe and find, like, and follow us on social and on YouTube. We don't have faces for radio. Promise. You can't handle the truth. You can also find our show notes on Substack at stream it or leave it. See you next time and thanks for tuning in.